bright and sunny out. We're going to go ride motorcycles afterward. Nice. Yeah. That's living the life. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I have a, I have two motorcycles and last week my husband took my truck. And so I was like, I'll ride my big motorcycle, which I have not ridden since I bought a little one in October. Nice. Nice. Do you go on a, do you go on long rides or just short rides um, around your town? Uh, we do both. I was, uh, when I went to Ohio a few weeks ago, I was actually gonna, I was planning on riding my motorcycle up there and it's about seven to eight hours each way. Wow. One city? And then I thought that it was supposed to rain both days that I would have been riding. Oh, wow. Not interested in that. <laughs> it's a fair weather activity for me. Yeah. But wait, eight hours of riding a motorcycle, is that one city only or just? I don't think my butt could handle sitting on a seat that long. Right? <laughs> Let alone the gas issue. You know? Yeah. Well, some some days I can forget that I'm sitting for that uh, long and just yeah. keep doing work. Um, True. True. Right? Yeah. But riding a bike, staying like this for eight hours, like your arms get tired. Bet. And I don't have cruise control, so you got to be. You got to be fully aware. Well, uh, thanks for wearing a gun shirt. I like the brand of merch. I'm branded, right? I just uh, have my now, shirt. It's very this is warm. not my uniform. I'm, I'm wearing this. Yeah, I, I had three of this made. A gray one and two <laughs> and two black ones. This is not my uniform. Nice. Yeah. I only have my, uh, my zip up. And it's in the 80s here so i don't get to wear that enough uh, here in brazil definitely not most of the time not the weather to wear to wear those no are you in the northern part of the country uh south but still yeah it's pretty pretty warm we're getting into in winter but it's still not cold enough all right well david g we are here this is uh this is like a huge one for this week in history. Uh, I feel like you really can't talk about computers at all without talking about Alan Turing. Um, yeah. I'll kind of read through this rundown. I could, It was really hard to condense this because the life this man led was just so big. Right? Yeah. Uh, British mathematician, logician, and cryptanalyst Alan Turing was born in London, England on June 23rd, 1912. From a very young age, he showed aptitude for minutes and logic, eventually landing at college in Cambridge. Uh, while he was there in the 1930s, he found the concept of the universal Turing machine, which is a theoretical and mathematical device that could compute anything that is computable. That feels very broad, but that's kind of like how yeah. else would you describe it? To this day, it's the most widely used model of computation and computability and complexity theory. Both things I don't have much uh, knowledge in. After that, he went on to get a PhD in mathematics from Princeton in 1938, and wound up going back to back to England. Uh, during World War II, uh, he worked at Bletchley Park, which was Britain's secret code-breaking center. It was there that he made possibly his most renowned contributions to the war efforts in decrypting German ciphers, including the Lorenz cipher and the previously unbreakable Enigma code, uh, which the German high command was using for all of their battlefield communications. So once they figured that out, 
they could always tell where the Germans were. They built the machines using, used to decrypt the Enigma messages and uh, the decryption of this German naval messages was vital to the Allied victory in the Battle of the Atlantic. And his work was estimated to have shortened the war by two to four years and saving over 14 million lives, which is just like, man. Yeah. With computers. It at a it, time when it is amazing. computing wasn't even wasn't even a thing like really no and can I, I i don't think i can imagine any other person in the computer science uh space that has saved so many lives that you it can put that contribution uh and directly relate that to saving that amount of lives or more yeah it's insane and it was you know like even even with all of the technology we have today, I don't know that technology has saved 14 million lives put together. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in the late 40s and early 50s, while he was working at the University of Manchester, he did even more pioneering work that we still use in AI computing. Um, he was the one who proposed the Turing test to test whether a machine could exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to a human. Uh, he also wrote papers on computer design, including uncomputable numbers, as well as descriptions of how to use the universal sorting machines. Um, this is where it gets a little dark. In 1952, Turing was prosecuted for his homosexuality, which is pretty, like, one of the most widely known facts mm -hmm. about him and probably the most disturbing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was illegal in Britain at the time. He opted for chemical castration as opposed to prison, which, as we know, is not something that makes a change. It just ruins someone's life. Um, just two short years later, on June 7th, 1954, he died of cyanide poisoning. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Controversial, at least, yeah. <laughs> Controversial at the very least. Um, it was officially ruled a suicide but could have been accidental poisoning, could have been not accidental poisoning. Yeah. His mother says he was happy. Friends say he was happy. Well, how happy you can be after going through that horrible chemical frustration, but things were happening. He had a to-do list by his bed. Who has that? With your I can barely suicide? write to-do lists when I know I have to get up to where I would do stuff. On the upside, in 2009, British Prime Minister Gordon Brown made an official public apology on behalf of the British government for, quote, the appalling way he was treated. Queen Elizabeth II granted a posthumous pardon to him in 2013, and the term Alan Turing Law is now used informally to refer to a 2017 law that went into effect in the UK that retroactively pardoned men who were cautioned, convicted, arrested all that under historical legislation that outlawed homosexuality. So it took them a long time to get there. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. The fact that the British monarchy apologized in in the first place, I feel is That's something, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people with ISAX in the British Museum would love to see them come around to this too. <laughs> it's good that that still brought brought about some positive change in the UK on top of all he had already contributed. Yeah. Imagine how many men had to suffer through that. Uh, he, being, he being one of the most uh, famous one, uh, but 
so many people suffered with that insanity of having people being chemically castrated for being homosexual. Insane. Insane. Yeah, the thing, you know, I mean, he was 41. So young. 41. I will be 41 in a few months. Yeah, like. I'm 37, and well, my whole career is based on the work of this man, but I'm nowhere near maybe I've never made any contribution as relevant as like as those founding papers for computing computer science imagine a 41 uh dying uh, how much more he could have contributed you would be like 111 today so like math I don't do math in public but uh, that's probably it <laughs> imagine if we if we get another I don't know, 40 years of contributions from, from this man and computer um, getting more advanced, how many more ideas he would have, right? And just in the crypto, in the crypto analysis space, he lost his clearing, uh, his government clearance was revoked when he was persecuted. So just in that, uh, confined space, all of his contributions during the war and all of that, how much more he could have done if it wasn't for that, right? He was he, he didn't have access anymore. Um so that's that's such a shame. I I don't know. We should we would probably have a lot more and computer would be a lot more advanced with had this man had more opportunity to go on living his life fully and, pr and producing more on the computer science space. Do you think that it would have uh, it would have prompted, you know, like the kind of the surge we see in AI right now? Do you think that that would have happened earlier? Possibly, right? Because he was already thinking about that stuff in, in the forties and fifties, and none of this the com computing wasn't a thing actually, right? Yeah, yeah. We would have been thinking about these things way earlier if he was still producing. Which is also terrifying because look at how quickly we went from like zero to a thousand with AI just in the last, you know, year or two. Right. And that's, that's what, that's like, that's public facing. Uh, AI feels like that, but it's been, uh, it's been like those 10 year overnight success. It's been yeah. like, even if, if you, yeah. even if you talk about open AI alone, they've been for a long time building up to this and, and getting uh, getting capital and resources to, to make the thing that is now a revolution by having that distinct app that works like that and other other uh, competitors um, moving closer to that and trying to compete with that. Um, but yeah, a lot more, I think we would have, get, we would get there much sooner um, if this man was still being fully capable of working uh, on his research um, after 40, 50 and going on with his life. I mean, and that's still like, I think it's a testament to how, how important and how like intelligent he was that the Turing test is still something that we use, even if it has, you know, like I, it's controversial in some ways. I don't know that there's, I don't know. My opinion is that it's it still feels like a um, 
it's still relevant it's still relevant and it was developed at a time where there wasn't um a host of external factors because those didn't exist and that's for better work but like would there be another way it doesn't have outside factors that you can even use i i love when people propose like simple elegant kind of solutions for things and this one feels like super simple it's a it's a very straightforward premise easy to understand sets a clear benchmark for what we want to see as a machine feeling like it is intelligent being able to mimic a human behavior so i i love the fact that it's simple like that and it's focused on on the functionality right um there's you don't get too much entangled in philosophical or psychological aspects of it right it's purely observable behavior you're looking at a machine talking to a person can this machine deceive the person that it is another person another human being talking uh, to them that that's it elegant simple right yeah um so those are the as I see, those are the strain points on this test and why it's still relevant today. And when you think about, on the other hand, as people criticize that, it has its limitations and you think about, hey, we're talking about a test that is about deception, it's about uh, mimicking a behavior. So it feels kind of weird to, so that is the parameter for the test. Yeah. Right. Especially when you say you start studying out to mimic humans and some of the more important parts of life where like a you know, like an AI can pass can pass a bar exam in the US or pass a, a medical mm-hmm. licensing exam. Um, exactly. It's narrow definition, right? It's yeah. uh, it's only focusing on that one aspect of intelligence. Mm-hmm. So you cannot apply that for more general behavior. So that's why people get to talk about narrow uh, AI and more general uh, AI and, and how the field uh, limits those um, ideas and, and advances on that. Uh, so it lacks understanding. And there are there are other tests. One that I really like uh, is the, how do you call it? It's the, the coffee test, uh, where the test, it, it's also a simple premise where a robot is required to navigate an average American home and make coffee. So how do you find the kitchen? How do you go about finding the coffee machine and et cetera and, and, and make coffee, right? Yeah. If you put a human being that knows what coffee is and the process of making coffee inside a house, they will be able to navigate, navigate open drawers and find yeah. the coffee machine and do the things. Yeah. But it requires a lot of uh, cognitive knowledge for a computer to do that by itself. So it's, there are a lot of I, there are a lot of nuances of, you know, like, do you know, does it make sense um, where which drawer would have the spoons in it? Exactly. Or if you know, and it's going to be the one that's closest to where, you know, all the, you know, yeah. And is or you find you find the coffee. Is it? The grains, or do you have to grind it? Do you have? Do you uh-huh. get founder? Uh, do you do you need to find a filter, or do you use uh, a coffee machine that is uh, automated? Well, there's 
it's so interesting. I really like that proposal because it's so simple, but it, it feels like, okay, if a computer can do that, I think it's fully aware of my, like, aware of its surroundings. Yeah. That's also, that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> we'll get there. First injured, or image that conjures up is like one of those, uh, those crazy Boston Dynamics robots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are scary. (laughs) But it's also like how, you know, how far off is that really? And whether that can be used for, obviously could be used for good to help people with like mobility limitations and stuff like that, but it could also be exploited Yeah, pretty easily. I also think it's interesting, like is the work that he did on like cryptography, um, like those, those basics are things that we still use today in like, security and passwords and i mean not to mention the myriad ways it's used in you know government and military operations when you look at like at that at security and cryptography and ai like that was that's kind of like what the things we're still going through we're still experiencing we're still growing and he was doing these 50 70 years ago 50 that would have been so yeah. Amazing, but... When there were no computers around, can you imagine that? Like it wasn't even an emerging field; it was a non-existent field. Exactly. They they got as far as like you know trying to um, trying to break code, but it certainly wasn't being done with with computers. I don't know. Do you think he realized at the time, like the impact that his work would have? Or the potential for it? It's it's impossible to tell if he fully realized the potential, right? I think he had by looking at the papers and the proposals he's making there, but the, the like theoretically uh, on computer science, you can see the end game how he's proposing a machine that can solve any problems. Yeah. So that's super interesting. But he, there's no way he could, no one could have predicted okay, this is going to give birth to the internet and this is going to allow people to connect all over the world. This is going to allow people to work remotely like we do. So, and so much of that, like you can, you can trace back all of the discoveries and all the inventions on, on computer to his work, right? So even your smartphone. Yeah. Right. So there's no way he could, he could have, uh, fully realize the extent of his work, which is it's amazing to see. And I don't know. I wish there was a way that we could show like this people that had that had such influence in the life of billions of people. If you could show them, hey, your work enabled this. By the time of his death, he he was probably fully aware. But that he saved millions of lives uh, with his team on the um, Enigma machine work, um, trying to crack that, but not fully realize what would come next and where we are today. And with AI, with the AI thing, we're far from the end game, right? This is just the beginning. What we're seeing yeah. with Gen AI. It's my understanding too that like they, he wasn't really allowed to talk much about about the work. Oh yeah. And so I wonder, you know, how would his life have, how would his life have been different, and how might he have been, have been enabled to succeed or to live longer 
if the general population understood how like seriously just how fucking important this guy was <laughs> yeah Even at that yeah. point you I, know i don't think it would be hard to to overestimate to this day to this day most people don't know the influence this man had yeah right i don't i don't know maybe i don't know how much success the the movie had the uh, oh, yeah. the imitation game uh, movie uh, when was it like 10 years ago that was fairly successful but I, I have no idea how su successful it was but it was a good movie but people don't fully understand how much influence this man had on like careers and of thousands thousands of people like me and just the, the growth of all of these things related to computing. It's incredible. I mean, we wouldn't be here. Literally, yes. We, we would never we would never work together. Yeah. No one no no jobs would be posted on Gandaro. Yes. This company so exists. <laughs> yes. I'm sure we could probably keep diving down various touring related rabbit holes, but I will uh We'll save that for another time. Yeah, there's so yeah. much more trivia. Oh, yeah. It was, it was pretty athletic. You know, he almost made it to the Olympics in 1948. No way. Yeah. I didn't. He, he had an injury and that held him back. But he, he was, yeah. Uh, he created the first chess program. And there was no computer around to, to run the program. A uh, program called Turoj. Turo Champ, it uh, could think two moves ahead, and uh, Kasparov beat beat it. Um, I don't know, a few years ago, well, many years ago, I guess. Before the IBM blue. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was. I, I'm not sure about the dates, but yeah, just the fact that someone put that together, a, a program to play chess when there was no computer to run this program, and then later. Uh, they were able to run it, and this uh, chess champion beat it. I think it, he beat it in 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 less than twenty moves, uh, but still said it's super impressive because there was no this this wasn't a thing when the guy built it when the guy proposed it. There wasn't even a way to make it work the way that we understand those things to work now. Yeah, they put together the algorithm, and it was there. Hey, here's the algorithm for this thing run it eventually when when we're capable hold on to this beliefs <laughs> for later <laughs> yeah awesome well david g thank you so much for joining me today to talk about alan turing his impact on everything that we do thank you it was super fun yeah Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. 
If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.